Hi Anna, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really love your podcast. I'm an avid listener um, and it's been like feeling at home, uh, tuning in from London where I'm talking to you from. Um, so thank you for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. So we're obviously really excited to have you on the podcast and with your debut novel recently released as well. Um, could you please tell us a bit more about yourself and what your debut novel An Experiment in Leisure is about? Of course, a pleasure. So uh, I currently live in Lewisham in South East London, but I, as you can probably tell from my accent, although my uh, judgment of my accent changes a lot when I'm not in the Shire, I'm from Leeds. Um, and this is my first novel, came out last month, um, An Experiment in Leisure, and largely it's in the title, the clue is in the title, in that it is. it follows our protagonist, uh, she's a young working class kid born in the early 90s called Grace, and she decides, well she's, she's really bright, and she ends up going to Cambridge on a scholarship, and she's the first member of her family to do so so she's a bit of a canary in the mine in that respect she's sort of venturing into new territory um we don't meet her at Cambridge Fair we meet her in London which is where she goes after she's been to uni um because everyone that she met at uni was in London <laughs> and what we do is we find her um setting out this kind of um, it's almost self-stated actually an experiment in leisure which is she she's being brought up by her mother who's a single mother um and watched her trying to um bring up two kids at kind of bottom of the not the bottom but you know trying to stay on the social socially mobile ladder and just keep food on the table and such like um, and she's decided that there's this kind of injustice in that so she'd like to be a lady of leisure and she thinks if she goes to London then maybe she could just live the life that she's the way she's seen London represented, which is in like Bridget Jones. So, <laughs> so she thinks I'll be a lady of leisure and like bohemian and like arty and cool, like Bridget Jones. Um, and she talks about that when she's, um, she ends up kind of in therapy quite early on in the uh, novel, because this project, this experiment in trying to be a lady of leisure, a kind of uh, get into the culture class um so to speak kind of goes a bit wrong but she says oh well I thought London was going to be like Bridget Jones and unfortunately that's a really unrealistic <laughs> very outdated idea um of what London was going to offer her so what I'm what I'm really was trying to do was really take the kind of great expectations form of um someone who goes to the big smoke and it's a bright lights big city and think about how that would work sort of on the eve of Brexit now and also for like a young northern working class kid it's taking the great expectations form and um sort of querying it and twisting it around and seeing how that works and yeah things do go wrong for her in London and then really we just she gets she has to go home she has to go back up to the shire and then in in otley west yorkshire and then in south yorkshire and sheffield and it's just about those varieties of how place shapes us and what different expectations we can have around what success is or what we do with our free time and our and our work as well i guess i love that i love that you also call it the shire because it, it yeah, I was thinking that. That. <laughs> I've, not, yeah. I've not heard that before but I think it is that a Yorkshire thing to call it that maybe it is you know maybe it is maybe it is <laughs> um 
Can you please give us a short reading from the novel, if that's okay? Of course, yeah. I thought what I would do, seeing as we are celebrating all things Narbonne, is um, speak, read a small part from a bit where she's in the novel. And what I'll have to set it up because it's not right at the beginning. So she gets a job. Um, she kind of wants to be part of like literary culture or publishing in some, some ways. But what she finds, she has a job in London and it's with the um, Association for Office Stationers. And she thinks, well, that's kind of a bit like writing. Um, <laughs> and then but when she gets up to Sheffield, um, she stays with her sister and her sister helps get her a job in the library. So I'm going to read the section where she's just started working in the library with her colleague. She doesn't know the name of her colleague, but um, she's called Big Anne's mum. Um, and another thing you should know about this is Ginger, the character Ginger, is this mysterious woman that she's just met on a train. Big Anne's mum liked minestrone copper soups, but only the bachelor's ones with the croutons and only full fat. She liked to whip the croutons off the top as soon as she put the water in to get the crunch, then deliberately not quite stir the remains so there'd be a spoonful of extreme MSG loveliness waiting for her at the bottom. In the mid-afternoon, she had mugs of Earl Grey with the tea bag left in and a full inch of milk. She'd wait for the tea to go tepid and the bag would sit there lounging on the surface and then she'd forget about it. As the day passed by, her fingers swelled and she'd take her rings off one by one. And when she got to the final one, she'd lean back in a chair and give up. And maybe she'd call Big Anne or Mo, who was Big Anne's dad. Work was mostly spreadsheets and staying in box zero. Big Anne's mum's real job was to try to get people with money to want to keep the library alive. The library was alive. The atrium had these big wing chairs and desktop Dell computers, and most days it was full of people in need of the internet and heating and toilets and sleep. And these people didn't have money. From time to time, I covered the front desk and a member of the public would ask me what I thought of a book. And I had to say how I felt, reaching fast for a reaction and the words for it in company with all this strip lighting and it was dazzling. But I got into the swing of it. A few weeks went by and a day would make itself known and I'd get up, lock up, go to work and when I got there I'd sign in in a blotchy blue biro and joke and feel alive with the caretakers Ian and Mick occasionally Carl when they found out I was from Leeds I went down a peg or two oof worse than London that said Mick but we were tight now conspirators Ian added my face to his kingdom of legends the name he'd given to the panel behind the CCTV monitoring station kingdom of legends it said in a rainbow arc made of sugar paper letters he'd nabbed from the children's library and everyone who worked here was an imaginary animal as chosen by Ian. If he liked you, you passed, which meant signing out and in at lunch and putting your womanly things, you know, your things, in the womanly bins. Not the loose, please, ladies. And if you passed, yeah, he'd stalk you on Facebook. Then he'd print you out on his home PC and add you to the war, the Kingdom of Legends. It was inkjet, his printer, and he used really cheap paper so you came out all streaky and two-tone. But it was quite trendy very institute of contemporary arts. Anyway, I was a giraffe. The days came on thick and fast and soon enough it was November, mid-November, late November, and I was still here at Sheffield Library, caffeinating, counting my slim as world sins, hell why not, and craning my neck at the slightest show of a grey pair of trackies or an undercut. I was looking for ginger. There was a lot of craning. No ginger, but giraffes were made for craning. All of that section. <laughs> yeah, so I'd like the my book the books like I always fold I'm a page folder um and that section was the one that I was like folding loads of bits down it was making me laugh <laughs> good 
Um, so the story is obviously told from the point of view of Grace and it is kind of written in a Northern accent. Um, how did you find bringing across an accent to the page? It was really fun, was the first thing. Um, I think that it's really fascinating how, well, I certainly found it fascinating in my own life um, when you move out of a place and then you realise like how distinctively you were of a place. Like you never feel it takes being out of place in order to understand what strands of your identity are, make you different. And so having Grace, um, Grace goes through a sort of voyage of discovery with her accent. And it's maybe similar to what happened with my own accent, which is that in certain contexts, obviously you, you're going to tone it down um, or you're certainly going to tone it down in the current world where, that we live in of kind of regional inequality because the, the types of ears that are going to hear a Northern accent they're going to be primed to think like in certain circles that that means that you're apparently not as educated or you're like, you know, um, not as culturally educated or what have you. And um, so what we see is when we first meet Grace, it's less clear and maybe it's a bit less clear where she's from. And certainly when she's in um, kind of, when she's in therapy with her aunt, like a London analyst or whatever, she feels a bit straight jacketed. And there's also circumstances where she's hamming it up um, so she knows she sort of code switches and realizes that in order people quite like it if she's a bit of a jester <laughs> so you see her like do it going ott with it it becomes this litmus test really like her relationship with her voice as to how comfortable she is in the world and we, it's how we see her grow as well if i hopefully if i've done if done my job right by the end she's much looser and freer and it becomes a kind of instrument of like of connecting and playing um kind of it doesn't have to be traumatizing that you have to code switch it can be like a superpower I think is a way people like can talk about it now but yeah um it was really really pleasurable and pleasurable because it's kind of political to talk about these things um there's always the risk that you're gonna you're gonna uh, alienate people who are not like understand the varieties of different accent and there's certainly moments in the book where um, like that, the reading we've just done actually, where um, having a Leeds accent in South Yorkshire is like, no, <laughs> it's kind of local rivalries and intimacies. I kind of, but I thought I don't mind if that alienates a southern a person who's not from that area of the world because that's beautiful and rich. And why not have something like that in a novel, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think your lived experience lives in your voice, doesn't it? And it's just really, it's how comfortable a character like Grace can be with her. With herself and because she's so young um we're gonna see her coming from a place of like <laughs> to a much more like oh this is who I am and this is how I sound and this is how I express and connect with other people so it was really fun and also doing the edits in lockdown it was just like writing home and feeling at home because <laughs> I'm uh-huh. I was in London um, okay. yeah that's really interesting yeah, I, think- I think what you said about the kind of regional inequality in that kind of space it's quite interesting in terms of like a publishing perspective um so I was sort of thinking about the kind of editing process and obviously being a debut novelist did you find that um you were ever tried like swayed out of having your accent on the page or was this something that like they were quite supportive of yeah it was really interesting I remember like um I've had a really positive experience but at the same time this is um I guess like 
indicative of what's going on in the book as well like I'm often the token northerner <laughs> like I, yeah. I didn't meet any other people from the north in this process and I've gone with a much oh, like, like a commercial yeah. publisher you know um but I did used to work and we can talk about this but um I used to work for um, an indie press in the north called and other stories um, oh, so I have yeah. yay uh, so I have like a I, I guess like I don't work for them anymore but I'm still really part of that like what you guys are doing and like how important this whole thing is and I really wanted actually in that process to be like right let's go and do this with a like a big commercial London publisher and see what the experience is like and it has been really positive but like to your point I, well, I did they did say my editor did say it was really cheeky but she's like people can't possibly say love that much they can't possibly say love to each other. I was like, they really do. And they do. <laughs> I, like, I think it's like, also like every single line. I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it just makes it funny as well. Like when you're reading it, you can just hear it so much that everyone's just like, love, 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 back and forward. Yeah, I love it. And it, again, it's like I think it's in many ways it's quite a um, it's a comic, it's a comic comic book. They're really sad parts. It's like a lot of it is kind of tears of a clown as well. But um, the the comedy comes from that like I wanted to make it feel really hyper real in that way and that means like um being real to our speech patterns and um actually in fighting that fight and being like no actually we're keeping that love so yeah <laughs> I love it speaking of funny bits actually there was one part that I literally was like I like tears were like falling down my face and my, my mum was like why are you laughing and she just didn't understand it <laughs> But it was the bit where um, Grace is like trying to explain that, that there's like about Animal Farm or something. And then someone says Farmville in reply. And I was literally just like crying my eyes out at the thought. I could just see it happening. Like just someone from my family being like, what? <laughs> yeah, really. I love it. Like so much of it is also, um, I think, um, I guess like, what books are like literary culture especially like going with like quite a literary publisher like that I'm with I think the idea is um or the idea of my family I'd be speaking in my posh voice or like you know speaking to that audience I was like no this is like this is fully like me in like writing home like going back to your roots and back to your mother tongue I suppose and that's like as a writer that's like really enjoyable and just like so much fun and like emancipating and brilliant but also for a character as well who's who's kind of going through um to watch her to watch Grace's development is how she feels she feels her at home again at home um so having like banter about Farmville and Animal Farm or like making bacon butties with her grandparents and um like going to Costas with a mum and it's like a posh thing because there's a Costas opened up and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's just really it's just normal. Like and, and I know I see that represented much more in film and TV actually. And I think like I'd, I'd be interested to see what you guys think. But like in terms of books, it's definitely we're definitely getting somewhere. Like there's definitely, but like it's it's not as a kid for me I don't know about you but like I wouldn't go to books to look for lives like ours or mine kind of represented I'd I'd watch Corrie and Emmerdale and like Sally, Sally Wainwright like <laughs> playing the flag or kitchen sink drama and stuff but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be like oh I'm gonna pick up a book and find me I'd be like I'm gonna pick up a book and find some middle class <laughs> and that's not to say that we don't that that like I want that I want that I want to know how other people live I read a lot of London novels and before I moved here or have I'm here for now um so I want to know that but that I feel that curiosity doesn't come in the other direction and that's not okay I don't think um but it's changing I think <laughs> I hope <laughs> yeah, I agree. like 
we when we like before we started up the podcast we were talking about kind of how we hadn't really growing up like I just didn't see kind of yeah that mid that middle ground that I thought represented anything that I was used to um but I definitely think I, I can honestly name about like 20 books off the top of my head that have started doing that and I think it's really great mm, um thank 100. god yeah right <laughs> um, actually, so speaking of all this um this question leads into that so amongst other things this is a story about the costs both emotional and actual in terms of cash of social mobility can you talk a little bit about social mobility in the novel and about Grace's relationship to London and the North? For sure. So I think her, my central question of the book um, with it being um, set in this series of, uh, in the North and in London and a set in um, different locations in the North as well. And a series of like border crossings is a lot of time spent like on the train between these two spaces is to sort of show that the traditional model that you have around uh, social mobility of it being a ladder is not really how we experience, like it, that's experienced or it's certainly not experienced like that for Grace. Um, so the idea really wanted to show is that it's a myth really, social mobility, it's in, in, in the sense that what you've got with Grace is a character who's clearly bright and like she's hungry she wouldn't have to be so hungry and, and her hunger wouldn't take her to London. It wouldn't take her out of where she lives. If, if we, if power and privilege and like cultural goods that are our, all belong to all of us were distributed in a more equal way across these islands that we live on, you know, but it's so like the kinds of life that she clearly wants to sort of live or her curiosity and her hunger means that she has to leave home. So that dilemma is that, you know, if I'm going to move, she's going to move, going to move my character and she's going to move up the ladder then she's going to have to entail a loss and so that's that's a kind of like a sadness at the heart of the social mobility kind of model that we have kind of inherited as a society and that we all seem to kind of realize is not even possible to be honest because when she when she gets to London she doesn't have the means to make it doesn't matter that she's bright like having being bright and being told oh if you just try really hard you'll make it like it, it, that's not gonna work out for her she shouldn't have like a special talent or anything like this so from for some time in the novel she goes and tries to like cosplay like she she sort of like gets into a relationship or like becomes a lover with like a richer man <laughs> she's like oh maybe uh maybe I could just sort of like marry into it but there's no like there's no love or real connection between them so she's trying her best it's an experiment but she's not really it's not really working out um so it's a long-winded way of saying that she ends up having to um it's so precarious this the social mobility is so precarious and nuanced we're moving up we're moving down we're moving up we're moving down and watching her do that is a much more and watching her re-strategize every time she, uh, um, she learns something from the experiments that she's sort of in living that she's conducting she has to like try again um and that felt like a much more reasonable or like real realistic model so it's kind of like myth busting a little bit but also saying like why why should it be that you have to leave um, and forget your roots in order to do a sort of job that you'd like to do or in order to satisfy your curiosity your cultural curiosity or whatever you want to work in a particular sector and I think I think post-COVID, I think it's really interesting to see how that might change in terms of working from home and the way we can like decentralise things. We can become a bit less like London-centric, but it's set on the eve of Brexit. Um, and that's important to me because 
in I want it to be kind of fairly recent but um it feels like a reckoning about what we how we feel about our kind of intellectual life or our cultural life or what it means to be cultured what it means to be educated what it means to um have broad horizons but also have like local customs customs and rituals and traditions that you must fight for to keep so I kind of um this is again I'm being really long-winded and I apologize but mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to talk about this kind of how it's more, much more complicated than moving from one place to another um and it's much more a question of how are how is power distributed and Grace has this sort of education and this scholarship but it's wrenched her away from what was actually meaningful to her um and again so that's the great expectations um story and another story that's important in the book for her is Billy Elliot <laughs> um which again she sort of modeled herself on this idea of oh I will escape and I will be great but I'm like what if you not what if you can't actually do ballet and what if your skin <laughs> and, and I guess I was looking I wanted to write something where having no money and like having a crap job could be part of the plot like you'd have to make plot decisions based on your job because a lot of millennial like women are like amazing fiction that I love like just they just seem to be able to just be doing or like love or romantic relationships are the most important part of their life and I'm like but we all have to don't we all have to work (laughs) Um, so yeah like work doesn't pay and um and yeah I've kind of twisted the idea that you go uh, to the big smoke to make your fortune because actually she can't do that and and, um home is where the heart is for for grace it definitely comes across in the novel that like it is just a load of like experiments it's a, a whole series of oh right that's not worked out I have to find a way around that yeah I would that's exactly how I would just describe it and it's definitely not working your way up a ladder because it's not an upward it's like a complete round the roundabout and up and down like a bit of a roller coaster but it doesn't mean you're not going forward it just yeah it's just kind of looks a bit different to the up down thing that we're all taught yeah absolutely absolutely so this is obviously a kind of coming of age novel um where grace kind of explores who she is what she wants to do and who she wants to love in some ways um would you say the book is all about journeys yeah absolutely I mean obviously to what we're just talking about it's a it's about experiments as well but journeying in the sense of keeping her on the east coast main line train line (laughs) keeping her like there's a lot of like trying to go for a wee in in train stations and not having the 20p and like getting a prep 99p coffee and all that and then being like oh no I shouldn't have had enough coffee because now I need another wee so there's a lot of journeying and that was just like physical journeying but there's also journeying in her emotional um, development and her relationships with um, her her mother and her sister and like her kind of love life her relationship with work her colleagues and her grand grandparents um and I think what we see is that at the beginning like she's much more when I think of Grace I kind of think of Bambi on the ice like like a little bit all over the place she's having a real like crisis and I think a lot of it is about feeling having you know as as we were saying like she's the first person to sort of move away from her family and therefore she becomes she is out of place and she does sort of become strange or estranged and she sort of loses her nerve like in in London she loses her nerve and it just becomes a sort of crazy Disneyland place where she's like oh and then even but then when she goes home it's the same she's like oh I don't know how to like go into the pub and just ask for a pint and not sound pretentious anymore like (laughs) how do I sound real and like I'm from here so 
that um, those journeys continue and what we see I guess is as I was saying as she gains in confidence we see she can break bread and just enjoy enjoy and connect with with people no matter where if they are like southern or northern no matter because it's just more complicated like we're all we all move with some more obviously not covid times but it, we all kind of borrow and twist and queer all sorts of different um kind of identities and we're not stuck in one place in terms of her identity so yeah it's journeying and it's experiments in that sense of, and it's in the style as well like it's really close focus like she's she's really paying like laser attention detail to the world because she's like oh, I wants to know like wants to work it out what's going on and um and so she's showing her workings and then she's like moving on with the results of that so yes yeah, it's, it's it's about journeys and it's about coming of age because her youth it's so much fun writing like a really naive young character she's still a teenager really and she's 23 but she's she's just a child and that was almost like um as a writer like you get to be the mother character in that you're like I'm gonna mother I'm gonna like write this character even though she's really naive and young and she's really messing up but I'm gonna like let her make her own mistakes and let the reader be the mother as well so that was coming of age like definitely and kind of coming out as well yeah journeys you were talking about you did touch on it a little bit about um kind of the writing style and how um grace sees things very like precise and she'll notice like the tiniest little details that other people don't notice um, and I think a lot of other people have noticed like the unique way that you write. I've seen that in quite a few reviews. I wanted to just know a little bit about like where you think this might come from or maybe why you like why you like to write in that way and kind of how you think that this kind of helps to tell this story. Yeah, for sure. So on that on that thing of um really crammed with like really really close focus like familiar little details like um you know like if you're wearing mascara and you uh you go like that with a flannel let's just hang on this is a uh, audio isn't it you put a flannel on your face and then you're left mm. with the panda shapes or i think there's like kind of like when you're in the toilet and you like put a little bit of extra for women and you like put a bit of extra toilet paper up your sleeve just in case you get a runny nose later or like um the way a shower curtain like sticks to your leg when you're in the shower like tiny 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 little details um I think I it does reflect the way that I write in that generally I write I don't write very much but I, I write sort of with with that kind of focus like really really detailed and I think it's often been or I certainly did around the time um of life when the, of Grace's age which is um fair like number of years ago for me now but um what I like is this thing so I don't know if this is like a Yorkshire expression expression but like can't see for looking kind of thing or like yeah. can't see the can't see the wood for the trees can't see for looking um is is what I was trying to do with it's sad but there's a kind of consolation in small things so that's a sort of stylistic choice um, but it's also to do with I guess the way I notice things anyway I kind of enjoy that kind of mindful thing of like just settling down and just like looking at a tree or something and just sketching it or describing it um without putting too much pressure on myself to like make some sort of masterpiece so I think that's also to do with it I think that the style reflects the circumstances under which I made the book which is I don't have all this time that I can just sort of sit and write like I've got a full-time job and like I I also often when I'm writing it'll be that I'm in a confused state of mind or a muddled state of mind and so there's a clarity in like focusing on something small 
but I guess another so kind of like like that it becomes relatable like that it almost the book becomes a kind of time capsule like it's set in a 18 month period um in this like woman's life and not so much that she'd notice political details because I felt that would go out of date quite quickly but like certain things are very particular to the time um I just thought that would be fun to do like a portrait like that um and just capture something of the ongoing like life and like lifeness um that's happened around grace I guess another part of my writing is that I just really enjoy writing quite quickly or like uh, writing dialogue and also um I guess the pace is really a lot of people have been like oh it's really like the pace is like woo, woo. it's like quite kaleidoscopic <laughs> and I think that's also true like in that I really like the like I'm much more I really love like spoken word stuff and I guess I like watch a lot more watch more stuff in live stuff or music and I guess it's a bit of a reflection of like that as well there's a kind of immediacy to grace she's so lonely and so desperate to kind of speak to you and it's in the first person she's constantly trying to get your ear and it's almost like she's um she's she's nervous that you're not going to listen <laughs> so she's kind of got the reader in it and I know that that's quite exhilarating but it like can also be quite stressful so but it's quite stressful the scenario that she's in is quite stressful so I thought that'd be quite a fun and interesting way of like um, embodying that stress um a friend of mine said it's like kind of getting into a current and just swimming in the current with her because she's in her own kind of idiomatic world and she's got a very distinctive voice and I was like I like that I can go with that yeah and like you got to just keep up with like where she's looking and one minute you're like okay there's a toddler sat down on the bus and then the next minute you're like oh right no she's in a different room like she's not there anymore um, <laughs> yeah there's so much so much of the editing process was like uh, moving characters from like yeah she's in a different room now so you do have to move her like you have to go put a couple of sentences in there to move she her. has to oh, actually <laughs> she's just she's there she's just in the room she's just there <laughs> it also reminded me of um you know those tweets where someone will say something and then someone else will like quote it and it'll be like um I don't have a single like unique thought I everybody just has this like you'll think things that are like just so uniquely you and then you're like I, when I was reading this I kept being like I do that Mm. with everything (laughs) yeah I'm so glad you said that because I do you know what's really weird is that you'd think it's kind of what like in my hopes hopes for like the best version of how this would go would be like you yeah you absolutely think that like that's so unique and so particular and so local to that character's life but like it almost smashes through to the other side and it's so it's actually something that we all have so she becomes everyone's yeah. so I feel I'm like um it's she's so specific yet so like not like so it's like turned do you know what I mean I like think being of, really specific yeah. can sometimes be more universal than than trying not to be specific it's like mm. like specific songs like breakup songs or something when they'll literally be like at two o'clock on a Sunday or something and another person will be like two o'clock on a Sunday <laughs> so I mean like I just think yeah it reminded me of that that where you're just like oh that's so specific yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah because you think you you also do think you're being really specific but actually like like at the end of the day like some like we all have eyes for seeing or like or we don't but we have our set we have like sensory we take we're all taking information about the world and actually like I think as well this is what was really fun about writing a really like naive young character is that young people um, especially like in that kind of adolescent quite immature like state of mind that she's in like um, they actually do know it they actually can see everything and they do there's like a really 
like she thinks she can't see but actually she can and the, the kind of crisis that she's having inside herself it is like a, it is a reflection of a more a wider societal problem like it's not just her that like she's battling because um the kind of social mobility uh scenario or reach the regional inequality uh, affecting her like yeah it's not it's not just her like it's it is it is a more wide thing so there's a really beautiful quote by vs michael where he's like um uh, in, in this book called The Enigma of Arrival, where he's like, I could see everything very clearly. I just didn't know what I was looking at. <laughs> Which I also think is a bit of what's going on here. Sure. But yeah. I really like that. Um, so we often on this podcast, obviously, uh, we talk about the North and the lack of Northern representation in the publishing world. Um, we were wondering what your experience has been as a writer from the North and maybe in the publishing space more generally as well yeah so before I um I was, as I was saying I worked at and other stories and uh, still like really good mates with them there and had the privilege of like um of that I didn't and, and, and also amazingly like they gave me a break in in publishing I had no like I don't know how I would have got into publishing like in a kind of more conventional way or a big commercial publisher that just didn't I don't think I even would have tried because I would have already thought I don't think I've got any chance um but yeah so I've got I've got a foot in two camps I've got experience editing for an indie and then experience of being published for a larger kind of commercial publisher and um I think broadly there are really like positive like beautiful things about both of those experiences which I'd sort of want to accentuate which is the the culture of indie publishing in the north as you two know well know and also a part like massively doing like f- amazing work like this to make that to solidify that and also just make sure everyone knows about it because we're already here doing amazing stuff there's so much going on like it's it's really exciting and brilliant and what 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 was frustrating and, and it would be frustrating for an indie is that the the rules of the game are like stacked against independent publishing and independent bookselling and that's the very heart and like soul of what of a literary culture and a healthy literary culture and it's just quite sad that um I think things are changing but um it would just be nicer it would be nice if we had more viable these business models of independent kind of um publishers were more kind of possible um and if things weren't quite so London centric and kind of market driven in the ways that they are but there are places that are booking that trend it's really amazing as well like being in the north in part of that scene and like um new writing north and like doing all kinds of like workshops and just meeting my favorite thing to do really would be just like go and hang out with local writer circles and just be like here's what I know about publishing here's how just making sure it's not opaque you know like I really like yeah. going into the belly of the beast I'm quite nosy and being like a bit of Robin Hood about it which is how I've been like publishing in like going with a big London publisher I'm like what am I going to learn about this and then how what secret knowledge can I share um but yeah there's just like people just write books like people every so many people are sort of sitting in their lives writing books and sending them to open on open submissions and it's absolutely astonishingly beautiful and brilliant and it, and it also just makes me so sad that like the publishing industry at large is like still opaque or it's seen as being published is seen as this like amazing mecca like that's the promised land and actually it's a it's lovely and it's it's gorgeous and I can't believe it's happening like it's amazing it's wonderful at the same time I don't think I would have ever 
even had the self-belief to think I could write and publish a book if I hadn't in my experience of publishing to like stop me from feeling like too in awe of it or that it's something that isn't achievable because it actually is it's also a very specific experience it's not for everyone like especially around marketing and like events and things that you'd have to do generally like not everyone's got that kind of uh, personality where they will want to do that (laughs) and like it's quite um it's got its own sort of very particular stresses and strains that um are to do with uh related and linked in with your like northernness and and also not I guess um yeah I think as well it sort of depends on socioeconomic socioeconomic background or like your relationship with books in the first place might be quite ambivalent or conflicted like if depending on whether you grew up in a place where that was available for you or whether it wasn't and it was like you were made to feel like it wasn't yours which which is um and I think the publishing process there's quite a lot of waiting there's a lot of sending things out and not knowing if you're ever going to hear back and some of those some of those experiences can be um for want of a better word quite triggering you know and and there there are ways of doing things that are much more like community based and collaborative and supportive which I think is lovely to know that that's also also happening as well and I think the reason your podcast exists and what you're here to do as well is absolutely essential because there is a massive there's an issue with um like northern voices and northern identities and the complexity of regional difference and in publishing and partly that is to do with regional inequality and social mobility so I thought let's write a book about it (laughs) definitely um you mentioned before about how in the whole process of being with like a larger publisher um you we're like the token northerner yeah <laughs> weird. I actually I've never been sat in a room um I've never been into a big publishing publishing house or anything um is it, I, yeah. it's just weird I know these things happen but it's just really weird isn't it yeah it is it is I mean to be honest in my own experience like I I'm in London thing is I've, I've lived I kind of moved between two uh, places I think because I the way I went to university like so all of my like friends that I made were in London thing is that they all left but like mostly their families are here so it's a different kettle of fish you know and I'm like oh well I'm sk-, like someone's my my definition of being skint would be quite different at the same time like I'm not like I'm I'm in the salaried position and I'm like sit sat on an awful lot of an awful lot of privilege of my own but the northern part of it is quite interesting like I don't the friends that I've sort of sort of made in the south and what have you and part of what was so urgent for me about writing this was that there's there's a real um like I haven't yet to really meet someone from the north who hasn't like been to London even just for like um like on holiday which is how I came to like get to know London the first time we came down we must have been like me and my sisters like 16 or something like 15 16 I was like what is this (laughs) <laughs> it's as weird as being abroad like it is like it's mad um and I think like that there isn't the same curiosity in the other direction mm. a lot of often it's like oh going out the M25 why why would you for everything I need here I'm like no you haven't you haven't <laughs> um, so in a lot of spaces in my life and that's really given me the material for grace like I am a token um all the time like there are there are other friends of mine who are like you know like permanently slightly in London or like they may maybe commute down here from the north or whatever but like it's it's um and it might just be me it might be a completely new thing but um it's quite it's quite marked and and I guess it's a it's a it's also a reflection of the kinds of places I work or the institutions I've been involved in that are quite elite 
Um, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> um, it's not to say we're not here we are and also like if you don't carry it in your accent that doesn't mean that you're not you know you can't see you can tell a little bit and nothing from someone's voice so yeah I think that's really interesting actually um there was something on Twitter recently and basically obviously everyone's sort of pushing for like northern representation but it's like I think people are kind of struggling to see how far that goes to an extent where I think this person was kind of saying like why are so many London publishers no why are all these publishers who are supposed to be publishing Northern Voices publishing people who live in London now Mm. and it's like I don't think you quite understand the circumstances which force so many people to move to London Um, it's it's survival in a way if you want to work in this space then the the vast majority of us unfortunately have to go to the south like it's not yeah. it's not a choice exactly for exactly yeah. it's so true and also like it doesn't if you're here it doesn't mean you're like here here you know yeah, like exactly. I've lived in and out I've been in the part of southeast London where I am for like two and a half years I haven't unpacked because I was like mm, I'll see if it works kind of thing it's, it's very ambivalent because because you lose a sense of like obviously you just you become part of London you you learn its codes and it's it's language but it was like that for me it was acclimatizing to an utterly like weird place and that's 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 in the book a lot in the book with grace like it's it's a very odd place it is disneyland mm-hmm. and everything costs a million pounds and she's like what <laughs> it really does but, but yeah you're right it's out of necessity but I, it's a it's a huge it's a huge question because it's like um about society and again how we how we structure and how we distribute our our power and privilege because if you know at it's very real it's a very real thing like you can to make a choice as to where you're located if you actually if you want to live where you work and your industry is in London you can't afford to live here and as soon as you want to like build a decent life you can't afford you know you can't afford it and I think that's why I haven't unpacked because I know I can't afford it <laughs> psychologically <laughs> or financially but I'll have it you'll have a go while you're there you know you have a, you yeah, have to exactly. a chance to, God loves a trier I always say God loves a trier <laughs> but then also on like the other end of it like what we're trying to do as well and you were saying about it before about like a healthy literary culture is like it's not necessarily northerners that have gone south it's southerners that live in like literally anyone who's like contributing to a northern culture of any kind like we love you we hundred, want to- <laughs> hundred. I absolutely love that I like I love it when people and I have been, t- I have been, like, I still lie really, like, about the fact that none of my friends have been, none of my southern friends have been up north, like, two of them have. Um, but I remember them coming to stay with me in Sheffield and being like, oh my, oh, like, I'm just absolutely falling for it, absolutely loving it. And you just feel like, yeah, yeah like, everyone's yeah. invited, everyone's invited. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, also, like, having, I guess, like, doing a grace book on the other direction is really cool, isn't it? It's like, what would, what does an outsider's perspective bring you? This is a really good question. I love this one. Um, are there any books that you've read by Northern writers or people based in the North um, that particularly stand out to you that you'd recommend to us and our listeners? I would, I would, I would. Um, so just in terms of this, like, it's like, like a constellation of classics around the book, around an experiment in measure that have been important to me. And that would be I don't know she's just a Birmingham doesn't quite count does it but Lindsay Hanley's respectable it's just really brilliant and even if like her um so it's it's about crossing the class divide and um her kind of experiences of that but it's 
it's, it's kind of a memoir, but it's not really. It's also kind of like sociolo- sociology. And I think she works at Liverpool and is, lives in Liverpool now. So um, like at uni. So that's like a brilliant, very, very brilliant. And um, Richard Hoggart, like that's a really old classic book. But like in terms of um, the social mobility scholarship kid uh, trope is has been quite important to me, like from the, from the archive. Um, very recently, like two weeks ago, I was in a charity shop in Crouch End in North London and I found a book by Carolyn Steedman called um, Landscape for a Good Woman. You come across this? No, I've never heard of that one. I Landscape for a Good Woman. So it came out in it came out in the late 80s, but it's about um, her mother who was a, a weaver's daughter from Burnley, like, um, and her experience, their kind of experience uh, um, of social mobility. But it's kind of looking at it like, with a kind of feminist analysis of like what it's like to um like I guess like generational trauma a little bit but also like um class as it's lived between generations and like looking at her mother's um experience and journey it's just like it's so good um landscape for a good woman um also this is this is um yeah it's really good and also like uh about when you're looking at class and how it relates to gender and like how it relates to like clothes and fashions and desire for nice things, which is so much Grace. I was like, Grace, Grace. Grace is obsessed <laughs> with like having nice brands and nice things. And so that relationship between taste and class is like, it's just really brilliant. That's, that's landscape for a good woman. Um, I got sent um, a book that's coming out in October um with and other stories so a little conflict of interest but it's the winner of the northern book prize this year's northern book prize and i wanted to represent that as well because um it's a really cool prize and it was when i worked there it was like such a privilege to like just read the entries to the prize um and it's called fit and it's by a debut writer called sammy wright and i'm about halfway through and just absolutely loving it he is a um he's a teacher secondary school teacher um and he I think he's I think it says in his bio like he's part of the social mobility commission or something like he's obviously like noses noses onions um but it's about a young like woman in um like at school who gets kind of plucked out of her where she lives can you can you can you see why I like it into London to work as a model um and it's just absolutely brilliant so that's fit by sammy wright and um that'll come out in october but get your pre-orders in um absolutely loving it also the pre i was listening to your previous episode with jen ashworth and that is like top of the tbr ghosted like i just it just arrived and i can't wait to read it it looks and listening to her talk like it sounds amazing um so yeah a few recce's and um like definitely if you're an aspiring writer yourself like get to the end of the stories website and have a look at their northern book prize because and, and also other initiatives with new um new writing north because um it's really cool they've like found a way to publish people who you know wouldn't necessarily like have um the cost of kind of getting an agent or doing all the kind of like very cutthroat dog eat dog ways of getting into publishing so um yeah they're really good recommendations it's nice to have some some fresh ones as well that we haven't heard of before so we'll definitely add those to the list and we'll make sure to link those in the description as usual for you peeps 
Um, what's next for you in your writing career and just more generally? Well, I'm I'm um, currently like moving back <laughs> to Sheffield. Exactly. So I, yeah, but I, it's um, it's just taking a while because COVID stuff, you know. Um, yeah. And I like I want to try and find a, like a really nice place and whatever. So it's 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 at the moment you can't really do virtual viewings, and the like the market oh. is like for renting is like mad like you can't look at a place and go or like being like two and a half hours away and like 60 quid each time I come up like ah um but I have loads of mates and like family in there so that's kind of like quite big in my life um but might be over the next few months writing wise though which is much more interesting my sort of like plain and boring life is um I am writing uh, a screenplay about a retirement village for jaded millennials in on Ilkley Moor. So I decided I'm going to make this imaginary like retirement village where pe- millennials go and they're like burnt out. Um, <laughs> it's like in the middle of Ilkley Moor. It's got this kind of cultish feeling about it. Um, I think it's going to be set. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. I think because a lot of experience, a lot of COVID times writing, like the back, the tiny amounts of writing I've managed to salvage from this wreck that our lives have become or mine um not a wreck but you know it's difficult to write and concentrate when in a global pandemic but a lot of the writing that's come out of that has been sort of what it's like to be in a confined space or what it's like to feel um feelings of uh more sort of anger or feelings of injustice around like it became much clearer in the pandemic the kind of like social injustices that were how um fatigued how like welcome a lot of people lockdown was to sort of desire to be um to kind of retire from life and be like nope (laughs) (laughs) so yeah what I thought would be really fun would be to have like a retirement village where it's quite it's quite expensive and like people go it's almost like the priory or something of old where like people who are just like I can't with life anymore (laughs) go and like go and like hang out and try and like set up their own like more connected community but I'm gonna put a spanner in the works and make a have a caretaker with an ulterior motive and a skeleton key Ooh. Ooh. So, um, I'm so yeah yeah, I'm yeah. Sold. I was, I've been working at Q at Q Gardens for for a while and um, I've learned loads about like um plants and like the psychotropic qualities of plants and stuff so I'm like I'm gonna do something really fun with that maybe <laughs> have some like maybe that's everyone will take mushrooms at some point I'll do something <laughs> you know what I mean so I'm thinking about Donatart's secret history but like a northern one. Oh, I love that sounds good we we shall anticipate that on our screen (laughs) I know I'll be waiting for that I'll send it to you guys before I like god I mean imagine with a screenplay it takes a million years to try and get anything going with it but it's it's a lot of fun yeah that sounds really good uh well thank you so much for joining us today it's been really nice to chat to you Thanks for having me. It's absolutely brilliant to talk to you. We've been really looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks for everything that you're doing. It's just, it's great. And um, keep going with the pod. Absolutely love it. Love it. Oh, thank Thank you. you. Thanks for coming on. It's been so nice to speak to you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) See you later.